0: Welcome back, everyone, to Random's Thoughts. This video came out a little bit quicker in comparison to the last two. The reason for that is we actually got a huge number of balance changes, huge to me anyway. This is a pretty significant balance patch, and I wanted to take some time to break down my thoughts on it in the YouTube format, simply because, well, we already talked about this on stream. So as always, if you're not following my Twitch stream, definitely check that out. But let's dive into the most recent patch for Mythgard. So we already have our first change on screen over there. Yep, I got it right on the first time. I always forget which way the camera's facing. But anyway, Journey of Souls is getting an update. Now, on the left-hand side of your screen, you should see the original Journey of Souls, where the pursuit says, start with one soul. Your first return minion costs one less and gets plus one, plus one. On the other side, you should see the updated Journey of Souls. Well, you'll notice that it starts with two souls. This is pretty significant. Now, I've been a fan of Journey of Souls, but according to the official patch notes, this particular path has not been performing up to snuff, at least not comparatively as far as the Rhinos are concerned. Now, as I mentioned, I was kind of high on this even post-expansion comparatively. Now, we have to take that within the context and the scope of, well... (laughs) <laughs> the rebellion safe house and the alliance command center those are pretty strong paths however I like journey and the idea of journey and this is pretty significant and the first thing that came to mind actually was daring trapezist when I saw this because now you're daring trapezist on two removes a guy and then immediately comes back now since you are going second maybe that's going to end up being too slow but you could put in some serious work with this and the juggle to now ensure that your first minion that's reanimated or returned is something more relevant than a random one drop is going to be an interesting dance i'm anxious to see where this goes i like it as i said i felt that journey was pretty solid before so i don't know that it necessarily needed it but clearly the data proves me wrong so (laughs) that is the way it works as a I don't know. I'm I'm dancing a number of thoughts in my head between the trapezes and a number of other cards. Can you make, you know, I'll run out my believer on one. So now it comes back and it's cheaper and it's bigger. And, you know, they, there are a lot of scenarios. But as I said, red, orange was the first thing that came to mind. I expect to try out Journey a lot myself. We'll have to see how popular it is on the ladder and in tournaments going forward. Now, Adorner of Fertility is not something that I expected to be buffed, partially because I forgot the card existed. So, you'll see that it's a little bit different. I don't have the side-by-side setup as I did previously, or for the other cards that you will see momentarily, because for some reason, Mythgard Hub just did not want to cough up a picture. So, and I don't have the... Uh, the prestige version of this card. So we're stuck with the regular anyway to the actual buffs on this. It went from a one, two to one, three. Now the patch notes by the rhinos indicate that it's a very delicate thing, balancing mythics, especially early game mythics. And I can certainly understand why it can introduce a lot of variants where if the adorner is over the top or any, cheap mythic is over the top then it suddenly takes over a game too early and on a very random basis which is a huge feel bad because it's a one of in the deck now that lends itself to some interesting discussions about other cards that were not addressed in this batch that i'm sure everybody can think of about cheap cost things that are influencing games however we'll leave that for another time in this particular case i i don't care that much to be perfectly honest it is significant because it can eat x1s and live so your carny rioters your strigoi pups those sort of things this will block them live to tell the tale you can also force your opponent to run their x2 in with help thereby either investing a card or taking a turn away so if they infuse that carny rioter you've taken up their entire turn one and turn two and negated it seems okay i don't know I'm not super enthusiastic about running this yet. Maybe there's something there. I guess everyone who's running Victor's Podium is now super thrilled. This one kind of goes in the, the bucket of... Okay, fine. So the next card is one that I've mentioned on multiple occasions feels like it dropped off the face of the earth for I don't know what reason. But Tufaka in the recent open actually, I guess, repopularized this and... It's now showing up with more regularity. Now, it didn't disappear entirely, of course, but I definitely saw less auto-magic artilleries running around the ladder. This particular nerf, I, I had to put the question out to chat on the Twitch stream because I didn't quite understand. And the most compelling argument that I received in discussing this was that it now dies to a misanthropia. In two turns instead of three, which I think is significant. This card clearly is going to be a major player in control versus control mirrors or just matchups. And the fact that your Misanthropia now gets it, you only get tagged once with this particular card is kind of a big deal. Outside of that, obviously it doesn't matter, you know. Well, I take that back. It matters, but it's not a significant change because you're still going to realistically have to run in multiple minions or multiple other things to address it. However, the misanthropia change, or if you corrode equipment, it's same sort of thing to get Blight 3. That is kind of a big deal, so shout out to Chad for pointing that out because I definitely missed that one. For my part, I've been banning in tournaments the yellow-green decks or, failing that, yellow decks but often it was yellow-green, I was able to eliminate this. Or, as mentioned, it just wasn't showing up a lot, so I haven't had to deal with it. So, the particular interaction there didn't quite come to mind immediately. So, thanks, chat. I do think this is a pretty good change. It does make sense in that capacity. So, overall, we'll we'll go with it. Our next card, however, is much more of a head-scratcher. I went through the, the notes to try and figure out, well, Why did Battle Ball Kicker get a buff, of all things? And I'm going to read the patch notes. This is from the notes on Reddit. Well, they're not patch notes. They are preliminary patch notes. And we're looking for Battle Ball Kicker, and here we go. Battle Ball Kicker has been training really hard for the next Pantheon games, and has gotten a bit better at precise ball placement. Well, spectacular, but I... Still don't understand why this guy's here. The only thing that came to mind for me, and I mentioned this on stream, is that maybe it fits in a curve, or fits the curve much better at five than six. There aren't a whole lot of fives that you want. You have Cave, who we'll talk about later. You have Mardicor. You have Sariel. You have a few other orange five drops, but I don't know that I'm super excited to play Battle Ball Kicker. Being stunned is pretty pretty big deal, and randomly stunning—well, not randomly, but unexpectedly stunning something out of hand— could turn the tide for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see where this plays in or if it does. A buff to a card like this, I'm actually okay with in general, even though, as I mentioned, it's kind of a figurative head-scratcher. The reason for that is some of these cards, it's not an enormous buff. It's not suddenly just awakening and stunning something. It's not humongous stats. It's not a game-breaking effect immediately. You know, you have to put in some work to make it relevant. But I think this is a worthwhile buff to cards like this to just kind of get them there. If this suddenly makes Battle Ball Kicker playable, great. I'm just not seeing it immediately, and I'm willing to be wrong and would happy to be wrong there where this thing suddenly starts showing up. As I mentioned, it may just fill out curves, which would probably be sufficient, as we've gotten a few different orange buffs that maybe will help get that archetype together. So the next one up is Cradle of Life. Now, personally... I am offended by this change, (laughs) not really, but it does hurt because Cradle is my favorite card from the most recent set, Winter War, and I mentioned this on stream, I was actually surprised when I first saw the card that it even allowed you to get plus attack at all, to be honest. Now, the card probably wouldn't have even made a splash if that was the case, but it's a sort of effect where it is and has proven to be dangerous. I've seen things such as Plague Maiden suddenly have 12 attack, and that's kind of absurd when you think about it. Now, the fact that it's going to 1 as opposed to 2 feels as though it's a little much. There maybe could have been either that interim step of 2, or giving it something else, so it's plus 1, plus 0, overrun, and X, maybe. This feels a little heavy-handed. It's... Feels like it's going to relegate Cradle to dedicated Cradle decks, which eh, that's asking a lot. That being said, you could, depending on the build, still have relatively threatening things, and them arbitrarily having overrun is still very good. You can't chump block the thing that's on the Cradle. You have to play a respectable minion in front of it in order to combat it, and if your opponent's doing that, you're probably winning because they're focusing all of their efforts and channeling everything to that particular point. They have to Tunnel Vision on the Cradle, which is what you want. Then your mend not only grows your guy, it heals your guy. You get all the, the benefits that go along with a Cradle deck. So, do I think it's going to drop off the face of the earth? No. Do I think it's going to take a significant hit? Probably. I think it's still playable because it's an if you can make a yellow-based enchantment deck so that you can run rainbow it's a free drawable heal and as we'll see in conjunction with other nerfs healing kind of took a hit to some extent so i still like cradle it's obviously a nerf i think we'll still see some cradle but it it's definitely going to be a bit harder So this next card that got a buff actually made me sigh deeply inside, (laughs) and the reason for that is this card has been a thorn in my side in all three games that I've seen it, (laughs) which is kind of what it boils down to. I take it back. I've seen it in more games, primarily from red-blue Fires of Creation decks that just used it as an artifact. It just happened to be a blue artifact, and that was way back. More recently, I've seen it from Valkyrie decks, other blue aggressive decks, and it was very annoying because you just can't kill those things. And the builds that I was running against those Valkyrie decks required combat. And guess what? I just guessed wrong every time. So, I think that this is... It's more irritating to me than the Yellow Snake Artifact. The Yellow Snake Artifact can certainly eliminate your guys, given enough time, and if you're that unlucky... But you don't have to interact with it. You could avoid it and also guess correctly. This, you can't get away from dealing with their minions, so it's definitely very frustrating where every minion that this activates on, and now it's going to activate on four instead of three, of course, barring Forgelings or something coming in, or you tagging it, obviously. It's going to... Force you to interact with those minions, and you can't get away from it. You're you're just going to have to eat it. And now they're all X for ones. I don't know exactly where this is going to land. Given some other cards, I'm kind of want to look at a Valkyrie Undead build. See if there's some. It's not really aggressive. It's not really mid range. It's it's kind of in between. That you can pressure your opponent and then. You beat up other minion-based decks because you have things like this, and your minions are bigger. This is interesting. We're going to have to see how this turns out. As I said, I'm personally frustrated with it, but I guess it's getting other cards that weren't in the limelight into the limelight, so that's always a good thing. So, speaking of the Undead build... We have an update to Ghoul, which is actually a reversion to a previous version. I I wasn't playing at that time, but this apparently was what Ghoul used to be. And I actually like it. So A, it's a 2-3 for two, so it can survive early combat with your opponents to attack things or force them, as we mentioned before, if they infuse, if they play another card. Great, you traded one for two cards or one for a card in a turn you're gaining tempo there, you're gaining card advantage seems happy. It also provides a important utility in screwing with everyone's favorite necromantic. Among other things, of course, you know, you have read the tomb and other cards that care about what's in your boneyard. I think Ghoul is a very cool way to introduce ways to impact, ways to influence those particular strategies that were not you know, they they weren't, they weren't impossible or it wasn't an impossible task, but there weren't a ton of ways to do it. So this is kind of cool. It's also an undead, as I mentioned. So now I'm looking at blue orange undead. <laughs> I don't know if that's really going to be a thing. It probably is not, but it is an early game undead to help fill out the curve in an early game deck. Now that it's a lower gem requirement that doesn't really have a lot of things. Basically, you just want things to play ahead of Valor Smith, but we'll talk about that later for ghoul. I think this is actually pretty interesting, and I think I, I expect to see this showing up now. Whereas before, the double gem was just crushing it. I I think this actually has a chance to hit at the table. So next up is Hulk and Assembly Line, which was one of my favorite cards from the most recent set. As soon as we saw it, it also simultaneously is one of my most hated cards from the new set, and therefore I'm kind of happy with the changes that were made. And I agree with the notes that the Rhinos had put out on Reddit, the loss of the Sunrise energy gain should not negatively impact this so much so that it's going to no longer see play. It still has the potential to make multiple enormous minions. It also has the potential to just help you stabilize. It's just not going to stabilize quite as easily, so you can't spam the Hulkins all day all long. Because you need to continue investing cards, which I think is a fair trade-off. Now that being said, there are a few cards that got updates that screw with FOC decks and mess with your artifacts. So this is an interesting trade-off that they're they're kind of double doubling down on the artifact nerfs, the artifact Fires of Creation general strategy nerfs. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I fully expect there's going to be more Hulk and assembly lines. I'm like, Look, this thing is just really good. So. The question is, how much of a hit did it take? And we'll have to see. Next up, we have Honed Edge, which is again a reversion to a previous iteration of the card. And I don't know. This is now a a blue, weaker version of the new green Winter War card. I feel as though it was better as the plus one, plus two, because getting the two health would allow you to survive certain combats, whereas now, well, you could still survive a combat, but it's just less likely. Clearly, you're pushing more damage. This is an aggressive card. Okay, we got an update. I I don't know that this is really going to change anything, and the patch notes from the Rhino seem to indicate just as well. They don't expect it's going to make all that much of a difference. So, all right. You got a Honed Edge. In a similar vein, this is kind of an interesting change in that I'm not really sure that it needed it. Kave had a buff on his ultimate, which means that it now, instead of costing 7 energy, costs 6. Is that better? Of course. Was it needed? Uh, I don't know. I I think I can only recall a single game where that would have actually mattered. Where someone had hit... Six energy or seven energy would have activated the next turn. And then they could have activated it now because they had what they had. I don't know that it's really necessary. i sure it's a buff for Rebels. In conjunction with another buff, you can kind of, you know, read the bones and read the minds of the Rhinos and that they want to push Rebels a little bit more. They were a significant portion of the set. So I could certainly understand that if they didn't get the play that... The rhinos were hoping for, expecting that you buff a card here, buff a card there to try and push the archetype a little bit more. In this particular case, okay, it's fine. There are other ultimates that are similar power level, I think, at this cost. So, for example, Zolia, if you get six, you could obviously just end the game on the spot with this one as opposed to Zolia taking time. There are other ones that cost six. It's... It's basically, if you get to this, the game should end in your favor, is the way I'm looking at it, and I think that's acceptable. We'll go with it. I don't see a problem with this change, it's just, I wasn't expecting it to come. Speaking of changes I didn't expect to come, Parsa's Cornucopia, so this was one of my favorite cards when the set was revealed, because I thought it was really cool, I thought it would be fun. Problem is, is that it's a mythic, and it's just very challenging to play due to the gem requirement. Now that it costs less, clearly a buff. Is it going to make it show up? Maybe. That, that could happen. <laughs> I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping it does. But making the cards ephemeral is relevant. If we are talking about Journey, or we're talking about Enchantments to Care, or we're talking about a number of different things, it, it's a drawback to be ephemeral. Having that extra card is still fine. I just don't know. The gem requirement's still there, and that's the part that's concerning. We'll have to see if this can squeeze its way in. Orange has been taking a beating, but as I mentioned at the topic is a Journey, maybe you play red-orange more and you don't care about the ephemeral. Maybe you're just drawing a whole bunch of cards and it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about reanimating your things, or maybe you don't want them to be because you want to reanimate specific things that died. We'll have to see. I do appreciate that this got buffed because I hope it sees more play. It's, it, it's a fun card. Parson Immortal is another one that I did not expect to get buffed. I don't know that anybody cares about this card. I don't know if this was one that is a fan favorite. I can certainly see this card, unfortunately, being super tilting. So there are already a number of four drops in orange. You already have Archibus. You already have Sanctum Guard. I'm not sure which deck wants this over those cards. Things that need to interact with the board clearly are going to be the prey for this one. So you can eat their guy. Ah, heal. And you'll never, like, you're going to have to invest a lot of cards. And because it's a 4-5 now, you can't cleanly Wings of Abaddon this card off the board. You would have to invest more resources, more cards. So that's obviously the first thing that came to mind with this, other than, well, why? Why? But, that is relevant. Is that enough to push out Sanctum Guard and Archibus? I'm not sure. It's a double orange gem, so it's a little bit more difficult to play. Like I said, I could see this thing being very frustrating because it could certainly take over a game, depending on the matchup, earlier than you might expect. Whereas a Sanctum Guard... Requires probably two cards to deal with if, say, you're playing aggro. If you're playing aggro, you may never kill this. Now, the play would probably be to play off lane and avoid it. However, you may not always have that option. I'm not really sure about Parsa Immortal, to be perfectly honest. I think it is possible to cease play. I don't know that it can do that given what you already have in the other slots. One of the things I brought up On stream was White Moon Arena. So if this thing doesn't just die when it's dueling, it'll end up healing, which is kind of cool. So it continues to grow. But again, in that deck, you already have Sanctum Guard. You probably already have Raziel. Do you need another four cost thing? Because the White Moon Arena is also cost four. You're just piling on to that cost slot. We'll have to see how it plays out. I'm not really sure about this one. But it's interesting that, again, similar to Battle Ball Kicker, that some of these cards are getting buffs that maybe wouldn't never have seen play otherwise. So here's the one probably everybody was talking about or waiting for, and that's Plague Maidens. This isn't really a nerf. This is just a rework. This is not the same card. And that's fine. One of the things that came up in Discord was the obvious comparison to Zolia. Now, is this a better Zolia? Yeah, probably. Uh, I think that Zolia is still strong. I think that Zolia, given the plus three plus O effect is important, but they, uh, maybe it's not a better Zolia. It's just a, an additional Zolia. So instead of getting additional misanthropias in the old version, which they effectively functioned as now you're getting additional Zolias, which maybe is not a thing you want. The Blight is fine. What I picture this playing as now is you'd still probably run it in yellow-green. You drop it, you block, you kill their other guy across the board with the Blight or weaken it. You block their other guy, you get a sect to shut that thing down. That seems reasonable for a three-drop. I think that's perfectly fine. The fact that it doesn't have regen is... Whatever, I guess, since it's Lurker, you can still block and protect it to continue doing these things. Although, I would imagine that you want the Troika so you want to get this thing killed. Now, the Troika Sect brings up something interesting, because maybe green-yellow spells is the way that this goes now. Because you're getting more free stuff. So, you have this, you have your Detained, you have other things to generate more spells for you. And then you just hit a Critical Mass... And you can constantly media auto cam. You can constantly keep their board shut down. It's interesting. I've talked also in the past about, well, at least on stream, about yellow, purple mill, and you could splash green for this because there are, you want to have things online so that your slant stones are active. And by online, I mean having their minions on the board, but you don't want to have them punching you. So getting extra Toika sex could matter. Plus, it allows you to, you know, eliminate something if you needed to. And at the very least, stand in front. So, I still think Plague Maidens is certainly playable. It's going to change a lot of things. And I'm very curious how the yellow-green controls of the world are going to shape up, given that everybody was complaining about it. And now, they have taken a few a few punches. So, everybody was also asking for a Rebellion safehouse nerf, and ACC, I guess, to some extent. Well, here it is, step one, potentially of several. So the patch notes do indicate that they're keeping an eye, they being the rhinos, on things to see how this particular nerf turns out. They don't want to be too heavy-handed, which I can respect, because I prefer an iterative approach. However, this particular one on here I don't think really does anything. Yes, there are cards that will hit it. Axeman, the blue-red carny guy. Laser grid. I don't know. It runs into the yellow artifact, the snake artifact now, and dies. Okay. Most of the time, this thing gets played on a body to buff it. Like, that's what ends up happening. Or it just blocks something, and then just... They trade. I don't picture that the loss of the health on here is really going to make all that significant of a difference. I anticipate that there's going to be other changes that have to be made to safe house if they... See issues now because really the major thing with Safe House is the ability to draw so many cards and so easily as compared to ACC, where there's you will hit a point in the game where ACC kind of naturally turns itself off. The Safe House is constantly digging you out of trouble. It's very rare for your opponent to be able to win from, well, nothing on board, aka, are they milling you to death, or to kill you with a single thing with a horn where, you know, you had one guy that couldn't block and suddenly that horn gets you that sort of thing. Yes. Those scenarios are possible, but it's unlikely. So more than likely your opponent has to extend into the safe house. And then you're continuing to draw cards. If you build up your own board position, your opponent fights back. Okay. Now you're drawing cards. (laughs) It's hard for your opponent to win without activating the safe house. So I expect there will be more changes to this. We'll see how it shapes up. I don't think this really makes much of a difference. So all of my astute viewers out there are going to look at this text and go, well, what happened? Well, here's what happened. Apparently, Scylla was always supposed to require a card being discarded to do its effect. I mentioned this on stream. I really like Scylla. It's one of my favorite cards in the game. It, I think it's really cool. I think it's important that these high-end cards do something really powerful besides being just a giant dummy. Like, okay, I'm big and I punch stuff good. Great. What else do you do? Well, now it's going to require a card. And I thought that was one of the cool things about Scylla is that, oh, I have Scylla. All right, I need to empty my hand. It changed your play pattern as opposed to just sitting at seven resources and just never burning again, because I'd rather have the cards. Now you can play Scylla to protect itself, and you want to get rid of certain cards burn differently. And I also thought it was cool that when you had no cards in hand, you can just keep stripping things out of your opponent's hand. Obviously, that's not going to feel as good on the other side, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> now it's going to require a card, and I, I don't like it. Again, that's a personal thing. That's not a general card game thing. Is this good for the game? I don't know. Obviously, it's a nerf to Scylla. Scylla is one of the, and we went through this debate on stream, one of the best high-end minions. And I thought that was fine. I don't think it needed to be changed, personally. However, like many other changes, even if I don't like them, I'm going to roll with them. And it is what it is. I think there are definitely arguments to support changing it. I just think it would have been fine as it is. That being said, is now going to cost you a card each time you activate it, so better be prepared. So, Shaitan Pariah is something that I've literally never seen hit play. Now we might. It got a buff in two different places. It now has a bigger back end... With 5 instead of 4 health, which means, again, it passes the Wings of Abaddon test. It also no longer requires a utility action in order to take control of artifacts. So you could potentially steal multiple artifacts. This is part of a 1-2 punch against Fires of Creation. Well, maybe more punches if you count the nerfs to things like Hulken. I don't know if this really is going to matter all that much. I have not seen Fires of Creation or artifacts in general running amok on the ladder. They were present in tournaments, but you'd have to assume that there would be enough FOCs in the general lineups that you would want to include this card and then have a separate or two separate other F uh, anti-FOC cards in other decks in order to beat their Fires of Creation build because they're going to see this and probably ban that deck if they're scared of it. Given that it's a mythic, they might even let you have it because what are the odds you're going to draw it? Until I see this thing hit play, and obviously the, the times when it's good, it's going to be really good. And the times when it's bad, it's going to be really bad. It might just be a touch too much in that vein. So most of my arguments that would be against this particular change are along the lines of hypotheticals. And maybe this shouldn't happen. And this is a philosophical argument. In practical scenarios, okay, you crush your FOC deck. Otherwise, it's just a 3-5 for 4 and who cares. So the next one up is Salat Elite, and this is a weird card because I've definitely looked at it pre-buff and tried to figure out, could we use this? Is there a place that this can fit? And I'm not real clear on where it would have fit if it ever would. Now, the new one is a more significant body. Being a 3-4 three, for four, three puts it in a different class. It it allows you to fight the breakpoint. So two to three is one an important breakpoint because a lot of things deal two. Well, now you can fight their two attack, or excuse me, two health things. Three health things, forgive me. And you'll likely survive and you'll be able to actually eat it as opposed to before it would take multiple attacks. Well, not really, because you would have given it fragile. So I don't know. It now can also kill five health things, which means that Kozinga is a notable one that you can now one-for-one trade with. Is this going to matter? Maybe. I'm not real sure. There have been a number of cards here that are getting buffed for orange, so this could be another slot filler in that they just didn't have a lot of threes. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but it does help fill out some of the gaps. It's now, it seems as though the the one attack increase is making this much more respectable in my eyes than it was previously. I don't know if this is actually going to matter. We'll have to see how it goes, and I know I've said that before, but this is a tough one to evaluate. Simply because, when was the last time you saw this thing hit play? Let's be real, be honest with yourself. So it's going to be cool to see if this thing actually hits the table. I have a few orange ideas in mind. I'm going to see if this fits and see if it can fit in the curve. So this is a nerf that I feel a lot of people are either going to be okay with or we're pushing for. And I'll say I don't like it. I don't think Terminal Calculus needed to be nerfed. It's a removal card as compared to a later nerf that we're going to get to probably shortly. It's just a removal card. It had the potential to be a multi-removal, an X for one. However, you had to put in effort to do that. That means either investing cards or other resources to generate the board state that you wanted. And I think that's worth it at five. How much it is a single-target removal worth? How much is a single-target removal that's a mythic worth? Especially one... Um, I was going to say that cost five, but realistically, I think five is where the... Yeah, I just get rid of that guy and that's it. Cards kind of are. I think this was fine at five. I don't think it needed to be changed. I get targeting yellow, green, and other green X control decks. I don't think this was necessary. However, similar to other changes that I said, it is what it is. There's clearly numbers behind it and research from the team and I've definitely seen people across various social media, Discord, Reddit, whatever, complain about terminal calculus. So, maybe there's been a, a burgeoning movement to deal with terminal calculus. Everybody hates math, I guess. I don't know. So, as mentioned, we were going to get to another removal card very quickly, and that's Traitorous Murmur. Now... On several occasions, I've mentioned that there are certain cards that would or would not make, say, my top 10 cards that needed to be changed in Mythgard. Murmur was definitely on that list, let me tell you. And I think this didn't go far enough. I think this card should cost at minimum 8. Now, I could also see, and I mentioned this on stream, that if they made it a variable cost where it was cost of the thing being taken, plus 1. Now, that would have... Wild, wildly powerful ramifications for the aggro matchup because, say, a one-drop that got insta Beast, you could now take it for two. And that would be ridiculous. However, I think this thing should probably cost at least eight. Why? Because it's not just removal, it's also presenting a threat. You always have plus-one threats on your non-green control or mid-range opponent because you have murmur. And it is backbreaking, and I don't think that even at seven, if you burn to ten, which admittedly doesn't always happen, you can still do a fair amount of things with three mana. And I don't think you should be able to if you're going to do this. If you're taking their perfect grade, if you're taking their Scylla, if you're taking their Chort stag if they're taking their Iku, you're taking their whatever, insert humongous thing, important thing, I don't think you should be able to do it for this little amount of mana now seven is not a small amount but it is a significant jump from six there are definitely games that i played that i'm sure everybody out there has played where you you needed that murmur on six and that's the only reason you were able to stabilize so we'll have to see how it plays out maybe i am maybe i'm going overboard and this is fine at seven i'm glad something was done about it so i have to be happy about that for sure i think they could have gone farther as all the reasons that I just delineated, but again, we'll have to live with it, see how it plays out. This may end up being okay. So here's the other half of the path nerfs, new paths. This one's for Alliance Command Center. We go from a 1-2, it was a 2-1, then it was a 1-2, now it's a 1-1. This one actually is more significant to me than the Rebellion Safe House nerf, and here's why. Axeman kind of doesn't matter against the Safe House. Like, oh, you Axeman my token. Great, now I have nothing, and I'll draw cards because you changed the board parity. Axeman matters against this. The Blue-Red carney that we talked about before matters against this. And why does it matter? it's They could have gotten it before. You just erode and ping it. You just play the Fragile Enchantment and ping it. But now they don't have to. Now they do it with a single card. Yes, it still dies to Thunderclap, it still dies to Magnus, it dies to Ignition, it, all the things that got it before still get it, but now there are much more relevant things that target it, and it makes simple scenarios such as this. I'm an agro player, I play Egg, I play Triforge Trooper, Now you can, and I play them next to each other because I want to protect my Egg. Now you can Axeman the Triforge Trooper and punch the Egg next turn. Now, we can discuss whether that was an appropriate play to begin with, especially given the new nerf, but that's just... ...to illustrate what's going on. Is it going to make a difference? I think it will have some impact. Obviously, it's a nerf. As mentioned, there are cards that will directly interact with this now... ...that might not have otherwise. I also think aggro is in a rougher spot... ...but there are a bunch of control nerfs that just went through. So, maybe this was necessary. Overall, I would rather that they didn't do this... Um, we could go way back to the two-one version and talk about how Axeman was viable there, but because it was a two-attack, if you didn't answer it right away, now it's a three a three-attack minion because of the focused. Changing it to the one-two definitely decreased the power level. Changing it to a one-one is not as large of a power decrease, in my opinion, but it still matters significantly, especially in comparison to the safe house change. So again, I I don't think aggro needed this. I think aggro was was walking a fine line, but again, control got hit with a bunch of nerfs, so we'll see how this shapes up. So Valor Smith is actually a very interesting change to me because I love me some tribal decks. Why do I care about tribal decks for this? Well, if you look closely, most of the text looks the same, because it is. However, at the bottom, it used to be an undead, and now it's an undead Valkyrie. So there is going to be some some cross-pollination, I guess, between those two tribes, which is cool. So you have Rider of Edda, you have a couple other things that interact with either having Valkyries on an undead team, undead on a Valkyrie team. Of course, there's some cross between just having both tribes, and therefore your buffs for those things matter. In conjunction with the ghoul buff earlier, which is also an undead, I'm very interested in trying out blue-orange, mono-blue. My initial thought was blue-green way back when for undead. There might be something here. The buff is not something to sneeze at if you can manage to land it on an undead. Especially if this is forged. However, you're still asking a lot because the bodies among all of those tribes are not spectacular. You could always build something stronger with other faction combinations as far as an aggro deck goes. But maybe this is just a slightly slower but sturdier aggro deck, therefore you dodge removal from opposing decks because your guys are just bigger. You can't ignition a Valkyrie tough, at least not all that well, for example. In this case, if you were to give something plus two, plus one, an armor, yeah, you're not ignitioning that thing to death. It's probably not going to work out well for you. Yes, you could technically do it at a certain point, but you get where I'm going. Anyway, I'm excited about this. I don't know how much play it's going to ultimately have in this particular scenario because it just, I don't know, it's still tough. And I think that the, the tribes both need some additional support, but we'll see. One thing I do want to point out is again, the patch notes over on Reddit, this is the actual note for the Valor Smith. Valor Smith has been moonlighting as a mechanic and has become good friends with the Valkyrie. Valker Smith confirmed. Crossed out. This is a thematic change and does allow it to benefit from some of the Valkyrie tribal synergy. And again, crossed out. Maybe they're they're going to be working more hand in hand with the undead? Question mark? We'll have to see. I I hope that there's something there. It does allow, because of the cross-pollination, to fill in some gaps in both teams' curves. So we'll have to see. So Vibrant Ketzel's our next change, and this one also goes in the category of I'm not a huge fan. Now, I can certainly see that a 2-2 with Agile for 2 that gains you 3 life when it awakens is too much for a 2-drop. A lot of 2s in there. But now it only gains 2 life to add another one to the pile. I don't know. I have definitely won games simply because I drew a bunch of Ketzels against Aggro or even other, say, a Horn deck, Father's Horn, and was able to put myself out of range because I landed some Ketzels. I can't recall exactly if the one life would have mattered or two life because I hit multiples or three life. You, you get where I'm going with it. <laughs> I'm not sure it needed to be changed. Obviously, this was, again, targeted for Cradle and things like that. It's kind of tough. It's an aggro buff incidentally because now you're just gaining less life. It may not even get played it may go back to say Venom Fang Mutant or something because the two life doesn't matter or maybe doesn't matter. I think you still play this if you you you're looking for life gain. It's still a valuable card. Clearly there's a numbers game behind the background that I'm going to trust the rhinos on that this was an appropriate thing that like it needed to be done. I don't Again, I I liked this card a lot. So from a personal perspective, I would have rather that it stayed the way it was. But if things need to be changed, they need to be changed. So I'll take their word on this one. So out of nowhere, we got a buff for Westingshire Vandals. Now, I've definitely looked at this card, I'll admit, at different points in time. Because I said, hey, there's a lot of Fires of Creation decks running around. What can we do about it? The problem is the initial version is kind of hot trash. It's garbage. Now, the new version is actually bonkers, and it makes me wonder if you can ever play Fires of Creation, because, now, ladder aside, this again goes back to the argument earlier when we were talking about the mythic, the orange mythic that messes with artifacts. You have to play this in the deck to begin with in Conquest, but because it's a different faction, maybe your orange X deck and your blue X deck now can both include this, and now you really put a hurt on opposing Fires of Creation. They can't ban them all. Alternatively, if there are ever sideboards, clearly this is going to be in there for any blue decks, and you should smash, I would expect, smash any Fires of Creation deck. The fact that it has Rush means that it's going to be very difficult to stop. It has Breach and Overrun, or excuse me, Overrun for the Breach. It's just going to be very difficult, and I mentioned it on stream that there are certain breakpoints to me when you play against Fires of Creation. Past a certain point, they've stabilized, and there's probably nothing you can do. They have a whole bunch of artifacts, they're doing a whole bunch of things for free, they have a handful of Forgelings that are enormous, they have a billion mana, they can do whatever the hell they want, and you're never getting to them. However, because of the overrun and the rush, you might be able to squeak through in those scenarios. But if you get it earlier in the game, you can push back that critical point, that threshold, By a couple turns, because as I'm sure everybody has had this misfortune of, they play an artifact early on. And you nearly break it, but you miss by like one. Then they play another artifact, and then they play a Forgeling. It's like, okay, I guess I'm never killing that original artifact. It's just not happening. And that's especially frustrating when it comes to things like Samosac, the Snake Artifact, anything where you're expending durability. Because it's like, man, I could just get there, but you're never going to. It's just not going to happen. This changes things because, yeah, you're getting that thing. Not only could you just rush it out there immediately, even if you had they had blockers, you can trample over them via overrun and still tag artifacts. Now, if they're Forgelings, they're going to heal and blah, blah, blah. But point is that you can still get there because it hits every artifact. This thing seems pretty good. We'll have to see if it matters. Because, again, it's only good against... Fires of Creation, I, I guess you could make an argument for running a one-of because you'd always burn it. And if you have to play it, a 3-3 overrun isn't awful. So for example, this in any of the rainbow, either blue-orange or yellow-blue. If you played this on a giant stairway, it's a 6-6 six, six overrun for three. Seems okay. Normally you got to pay a little bit extra for the Jotun. Got to pay a little bit extra, but in this case... meager three. But we'll see how the Vandals turn out. So if I had to make a top ten list of cards that needed or should or more accurately will be changed in Mythgard, this card would not have made the top ten list. I did not in a million years expect that this was going to get buffed. And I think this is a really cool buff. In conjunction with Kaveh, we're again kind of reading the Rhino's mind in that they want to make Rebels more a thing. I've expressed my frustration with playing Rebels and I just can't get it to work. However, this is definitely pulling me back in. I want to play Rebels. I just haven't been successful to this point. This will help. This will help. Why does losing the gem matter? Well, it eases a lot of concerns. Now you could play, say, burn a purple on one so that you can play whatever. Turn two, you can play this. Oh, on turn three, you could burn another purple, probably the one that you got off of this, and then continue going by playing a two-gem purple card. Or even late game... And this came up on stream that if you tried to play the Agitator plus, say, the Insurrectionist on four, you had to have four orange gems available, which could be very clunky or you wouldn't play it on four. You played on turn five, but you needed four orange gems. It can be very clunky and very difficult to pull that off even if you're leaning heavily into orange, because you do need to burn for whatever your secondary color is. And a lot of the cards that you're splashing for are triple gem, spirit away, your perfect raids. Even if it's double gem, like Kozinga, it still can be tough and trying to make these things happen on curve. Now it's way easier to play this thing and then utilize the extra cards to burn for the other color and not have to worry about, well, I have to burn orange or I'm not going to be able to play these things now you have a lot more flexibility. So this is really cool that this happened. I was surprised by it, but I expect there are going to be re- more rebels in our future. So that actually does it for all the balance changes. I told you there were a lot. I'm I got to get some water. <laughs> I've been talking a lot on this recording and on stream. Just need need to hydrate a little bit. But overall, what are my thoughts? I think it's kind of a grab bag. There are definitely things that I don't think needed to be done that were done. There were things that I didn't expect to be done that were done, and there were things that I'm waiting for to be done that did happen or could have gone farther or whatever. Overall, I'm pretty positive about it. I think it's definitely going to shake things up. Your yellow-green decks are not going to look the same, or I expect them to at least play different. Maybe you'll still include your Plague Maidens, your Artilleries, your Assembly Lines, your Terminal Calculus, your whatever. I mean, some of those you're definitely going to run, but... It's going to change a lot of matchups because you now don't need to worry about Calcon 5. It's on 6. You don't have to worry about Hulk and Assembly Lines gumming up the board, or at least not as easily. Those Ketzels aren't quite digging you out as easily. The same with Cradles. You're not just randomly turning one or zero attack minions into monsters. Scylla now requires a little bit more effort. There's a number of things that are are bringing things from the edge cases where it was either the insane highs or the insane lows and bringing them closer to the middle so that you have a more reasonable experience. I think overall there are a number of things that benefit aggro. Covered a few of them as we were talking about it. Despite the nerf, I think aggro comes out ahead. Most of these were, of course, nerfs to high-end control decks, really dirtily control decks, late-game control decks. There's some interesting orange buffs that come around in the middle game, which makes things interesting. You still have the somewhat perennial issue of Believer against orange decks, but you do have ways to manage it. And there are ways to really fight back against it. We'll see if they actually matter because it's still going to be tough. A Believer could run amok. But you have some of these things that now come down as significantly larger threats compared to where they were, as well as opening up more opportunities when we're talking about things like Xerxes and Agitator. So there's a lot of different potential options now. In addition to, you get to the weird things where you have ways to fight uh, fires of creation, and you also have a number of oddball strategies in the things like Undead and Valkyries. Is that going to be a thing? Well, personally, I saw death maiden's eyes showing up in valkyrie decks before I kind of expected to show up now <laughs> and it, since you can now again level out the curve a little bit with the undead maybe it's a thing we'll have to see but in any case overall i do like the patch i'm looking forward to how it's going to sh- shake things up and i'm looking forward to playing more myth guard especially with these changes which by the time this goes up probably already going to be live So if you want to see me flail and have world-class misplays, definitely check out my Twitch channel. Uh, You definitely want to subscribe. If you haven't already, I could definitely use some more subscribers. I want to get that custom URL, but I think that'll do it for this time. We'll probably have more to talk about the next time as there may or may not be some additional changes. And we have some more events coming up. It sounds like there's going to be a regular tournament series. I'm very excited about that outside of the opens, which is cool. So we'll close up shop there as always everybody thank you for listening thank you for watching and black lives matter